I think it's going to be like basically a requirement to do. Now, I don't think you could charge money for that because I think it's going to be table stakes. Everyone's going to have it. But it's going to be more of a situation where if you don't have it, it's going to be probably held against you. It's going to be a checkbox. Welcome to Tech Talks, the podcast brought to you by Nash Squared and hosted by myself, David Savage, that's been bringing you the latest thinking from technology leaders for over eight years. Joining me on today's show, uh, I've got a quiche. How are you? Hello, I'm very well. I'm very well, thank you. How are you? Good, good. Look, our guest on today's show is Todd Olson, CEO of Pendo. Um, mm. Just very quickly, before anything else, they had an event recently, Pendomania. If you've got a company called Pendo, having an event called Pendomania, brilliant. Whoever's, whoever's come up with that in marketing, I salute you. Very, very good, that. I like yeah, it. Well, Nash like Squared it. doesn't really lend itself to such a kind of a snazzy event title. No. It, and, it, and if something really sort of, you know, happens that has a knock-on effect in the whole company, is that a pendemic? Pendemic? <laughs> I don't know. We'll think oh, God, that, was, that didn't <laughs> land, did it? Oh, in my head, that was sensational. <laughs> oh, God, that was so crap. Oh, Sorry, oh. Todd. Anyway, yeah, 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 we can. We'll get we'll get to the interview in a minute. I promise you, it's interesting. Sorry, Todd. In there, Todd talking about the fact that some of their clients are asking them to turn AI off. Mm. Anyway, happy Thanksgiving to all of our American listeners. We got confused earlier in the week. It is Thanksgiving today as of the publishing date because this is going out on thursday the 23rd of november uh, and we do have a lot of american listeners recent statistics uh, america is our second biggest cohort of listeners and twice the size of our uk listenership so look guys we know it's the accent uh, you obviously can't dig enough of the uh, of the british accents on show mm. but um lots of you out there thank you and have a lovely time and happy thanksgiving Enjoy, yeah. enjoy the national <laughs> holiday. And uh, why is it they always cast us as bad guys, though? Why is it a quiche? I, d- I don't know. I, th- I think it's 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 all those people that have gone before us and hundreds and hundreds and years of history that you know me and you are having to bear on our shoulders um, it's in wait. the UK. Yeah, but also some things that we say. I mean, I'm surprised they're still listening. So you know, but they are in their numbers the in, in vast numbers. Maybe they um, agree with us. You know, on yeah, certain. Yeah, yeah. Certain political people that shall not be named. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, um, we've got loads to talk about today. We'll play the interview with Todd. Afterwards, we're going to be talking about heat pumps in New York City. Even more focus on the States, given it's Thanksgiving. And a quick, quick bit on Sam Altman and OpenAI. But not us um, talking about it. Just pointing in the direction of something that maybe, maybe you should check out. Anyway, hand over to Todd. We'll be back in a bit. So I'm sat here this morning with Todd, CEO of Pendo. How are you this morning? I'm doing real well. Thanks, dude. I was lucky enough to chat to you earlier in the year at Collision, the North American version of, of Web Summit. Correct. So that was only, what, five, six months ago? Yeah, it was right, roughly uh, June, July time, yeah. How come you're in Lisbon? What are you, what are you talking about here? Because you've got several different stage sessions. I suppose it's probably a few different topics, but... Yeah, I, I think... Um... Wow, how the world's changed since, since June, July. So I... <laughs> I um... Uh, I mean, I think everyone's talking about AI um, in, in a lot of the sessions. So I did a keynote on, on AI in particular products role mm-hmm. and helping lead AI um, innovation at their company. 
Uh, I have panel discussion on data. I, I talked about automation, so but which is of course related to AI. Yeah, yeah. So so I think it's amazing just how AI has kind of dominated the conversation here and a lot of the content. It it has absolutely dominated the content. And I heard several people yesterday evening saying, I don't think I've seen a talk without AI mentioned. If that's the case, what's actually the interesting conversation around AI? If everyone's talking about it, then it can't all necessarily be particularly relevant or insightful. Or there might be a lot of talk that, that is a bit superfluous. What do you think the really interesting stuff going on is? Well, so, there's obviously a, probably a mismatch between the hype and the reality. Yeah. And I think people aren't talking enough about that. And I, I think there is a little bit of um, selection bias for the folks that come to Web Summit that they tend to be on the more innovative, smaller company, startup, entrepreneurial scene. Mm -hmm. And there are fewer large enterprises here. But, but you know, aside from a handful of large enterprises where AI makes sense, I mean, like my experience of working with them is a lot of them are, are scared yep. and aren't adopting this at any particular levels. Um, if anything, we have AI capabilities in our products and some of our large enterprise customers have asked to turn it off or not release it to them um, because they still have yet to form a policy around it and they frankly don't quite understand the implications of it. So, mm. and it takes large companies long times to make decisions and do research. So, so I think that's one area that hasn't been talked about enough. Um, another area that I was chatting with some folks yesterday about was just, um, like are people charging money for this? Like, how are they monetizing this? Um, is AI an upcharge? Because uh, uh, the reality is the cost, if you're using an LM or uh, a foundational model, like, those costs are real. Like, calling those APIs. Um, but what can you charge for this? And if everyone has it, can you charge for this? Mm. Um, I think these are some of the questions that are, um, like, the practical nature of it is something that I don't hear as much about. Um, but, you know, maybe that's all in due time. So, It's an interesting point that you make that, that perhaps they're scared. I saw some stats uh, from our own research that 90% um, of digital leaders felt that there was regulation needed around AI. I think 66% felt that that regulation wouldn't be effective. Um, if that's the case, how do we stop those firms being scared? And, you know, you say that you've got some AI in some of those products. How are you kind of reassuring them not to turn it off and that actually this can be a business benefit and to run with it. What's the way through that conundrum? Well, look, at, at some levels, um, I mean, obviously making sure people sort of understand what's actually happening with respect to their data, mm. I think is probably the number one thing people are concerned on. Like, so for example, if I type in something, which uh, ultimately ends up being sent as a prompt, and whatever I type in happens to have personally identifiable information, that's something that's shared broadly with the community, or is that, is that that content then going to come back out to someone else somewhere that I can't control? I think I think understanding those implications and like having assurances around it are really really important. Actually, I think the mere act of giving them the ability to turn it off gives people confidence. Yeah. If we just said, "Hey, it's there. Don't worry about it," like that's going to freak people out. But we said, "Hey, it's there. You can opt in or opt out to it." Gives people. Well, not a sense of control, it gives them actual control. And I, I think giving people control is another way to, to um, roll this out in, in, a, in a smart, more practical way. And look, what, what are the, the user cases? How, how are you seeing people actually use this right now in anger? Because I've heard that there are 
some organizations who are looking at kind of small-scale projects, stuff that they can control almost as experimental test cases. Is that something that you're seeing, and, and what do they look like? Yeah, well, I, I tend to categorize um, AI into a bunch of different buckets. Um, one bucket, of course, which I will probably won't talk as much about, is, is how we use, all of us, we be like corporations in general, use AI internally to help drive automation and efficiency within our business. I, I didn't talk as much about that, but that, that's certainly one area as a company we're thinking about. Um, the thing I think more about and talking more about is how we put AI in our products to make our customer lives more effective and have more automation in there. It, it, um, there's a spectrum there as well. I, I think the first thing, and I talked about this a little bit yesterday, is like it's going to become a table stakes capability to add LLMs to the surfaces of your product. The reality is if you have any amount of text or qualitative information, these LLMs, there's multiple LLM foundational models from multiple providers. Um, they're well-documented APIs. They work. And you're going to see if you have a product that has, yeah, any sort of text, I think adding summarization and reforming the text and, you know, like a, a variety of applications there, I think if you, I think it's going to be like basically a requirement to do. Now, I don't think you could charge money for that because I think it's going to be table stakes. Everyone's going to have it. But it's going to be more of a situation where if you don't have it, it's going to be probably held against you. It's going to be a checkbox. Like, did you add an LLM essentially to your product? And, that, and that's, and we're seeing that all over. It's, you know, Amazon having summary of reviews. Um, companies that, I, I've highlighted yesterday a company called Sprout Social, which is a social media management platform where if you enter in, you know, basically a text block, it will use AI to rewrite it to have, you know, better conversion rates or, you know, pithier copy or something to that effect. So you're seeing those sort of applications um, all over the case. And I think that's probably the first thing most companies are doing because it's frankly easy. I think the real innovation occurs when you start looking at what data you and only you have and how do you apply that for generative applications. So for example, Pendo, we collect 20 billion events a day from software applications. That is people clicking on buttons, going between pages. It is basically how people use software. So if we step back a little bit is how can we use that data to do generative things? And what we've realized is that that usage data um, can uh, form a basis for uh, generating PLG campaigns, PLG being product-led growth. And let me explain what I mean by that. So if we're looking at, um, let's just take a look at a group of users and there's some group of users that leave, churn, never come back to our software application. Mm -hmm. We have all of the um, activity leading up to that event. And we can compare those who churn versus those who stay in the product and start to build a model of, okay, people that stay in the product tend to do these things and people that leave tend to either not or do these other activities. So it begs the question, how do we create automation around getting everyone to do the things that lead to the positive behavior? So that's a situation where um, we can take our unique data set, no one else has this, and we can apply it to create a campaign to retain more users within the software product. That's pretty interesting, right? And that's just one example of you know, how we would potentially label data. I mean, the other thing is like free to paid conversion. If we know everything that happens up leading up to a, you know, I put my credit card in and buy something, 
we can start forming a behavioral model for, hey, get people to do this. And I think that's something that, I mean, we've been working on it for a while. We still have more work to do on it, but that, that is uh, something that, because it's formed in, on our data, it becomes um, a very differentiated capability. I read some interesting research from, um, and this is going off on a slight tangent first, man. I'll, I'll pull it back, but the Consumer Tech Association yeah. uh, in the States talking about the fact that consumers in the US are far more optimistic about AI and its use. And there seems to be much more kind of willingness to embrace that tech than perhaps in Europe. If we pull away from the consumer angle, I think it's interesting when you go walk around Web Summit that there's, there's representation from Latin America, there's representation from across Europe, but there's very little representation here from North America. Obviously, we spoke at Collision. Yeah. You're here in Lisbon. What do you see as being the big differences between the markets? And why is, it, why is it that North America doesn't seem to necessarily be that interested to be here? Um, look, I think this is primarily targeting a European audience. Uh, and candidly, we're here because we want to get closer to the European audience and tech community. We, we have traditionally, as a company, uh, had a much greater presence promoting both a brand and a go-to-market perspective in North America. And we wanted to branch out. And we see Europe as a massive opportunity. And we figured that coming to Web Summit is a great way to develop um, a closer relationship and, frankly, a more first-person understanding of this market and the differences between it. Uh, I mean, as far as the rest of the market goes, I mean, most people in North America don't think they need to go. <laughs> because, because there's enough business in North America to keep yeah. everyone busy. Um, I think it would be companies like um, ourselves and others that see, see Europe as an opportunity um, rather than, um, yeah, you know, rather than, you know, something that, that uh, is, is generally speaking, not, not relevant to them. I suppose so. it presents a bit of an open door if they're less, if they're taking their eye off the ball, it gives you a, an opportunity to... I think so. I, I think so. Um, I mean, obviously, this year's Web Summit, you know, there's other issues around that. I think that maybe uh, caused some people not to come who would have mm. normally come. But, um, but I think, generally speaking, like, there's still a lot of people here, and, yeah. and the, but the bulk are, are clearly from Europe. And well, I think that's the one thing that's great to see from my perspective is just how much energy enthusiasm there is for all this technology across like all of the countries in Europe. It's not just, you know, a handful of big ones. You know, I mean, you know, the Middle East is highly represented here. I think we have Eastern Europe packets of uh, represented. So it's really, really interesting. And a lot of diversity. Yeah, absolutely. Look, one, one last thing then. Uh, obviously, you are here talking about Pendo. What's, uh, what are the two or three headlines for your business coming up over the next few months? Yeah, so um, we're taking advantage of a lot of the, the, the energy around AI to make some announcements around that. So our announcement this week was that we released actually a course. for uh, It's called AI for Product Managers. Um, it's a it's free course. Uh, we co-developed it with Google. And it's an opportunity for those who are looking for professional development to learn how to apply AI within their products. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a great place to start to help you know teach future product managers, how the technology can impact them. Look, it's been a pleasure to speak to you again. Thank yeah, you for giving pleasure. up some of your time. I know it's a busy schedule. And uh, enjoy the rest of your time in Lisbon. Will do. Thanks, David. Right, Akish, I said um, before we played the interview with Todd that I wanted to talk about heat pumps. Um, mm. 
heat pumps are not something that I'm overly familiar with. I've got to be honest, and it's one of those one of those technologies that maybe we haven't seen a lot of in the UK. But as as the climate begins to change, I don't know about you, my house can be quite cold in winter and unbearably hot in summer. Mm. Uh, no, I'm struggling with the same. Um, yeah. Do you get? Do, yeah. you, do you have you been thinking about air conditioning? I haven't. No. Um, but I'll be honest, those three days that we had in the summer where it was like 38 degrees, I gave it a lot of thought and a lot of um, scrolling on my phone and then just nothing happened, which yeah. is like most things. <laughs> but yeah. So heat and hot water in buildings in New York City um, create about 40% of the city's planet heating gas emissions. That's ridiculous, isn't it? Like, it's, is, it's it, is it just me or is that just 40%? Like and and we've both been to New York, right? And mm-hmm. I can safely say, you know, when I went there, you can feel the the atmosphere sort of pollutiony, like dingy yeah. kind of air. Is that fair? Is that is that? I don't, uh, yeah, I sorry, don't know if sorry. I'm describing it. We just we've just lost our listenership. No, uh... <laughs> the state of New York is now uh, unsubscribed uh, after that. So yeah, yeah. No, look, this this is this is really interesting stuff because. Heat pumps traditionally are expensive and they're big. Mm. So they're available for um, the richer members of society. But what Mm. New York did, the New York Power Authority, I think, shelled out about $70 million in financing 30,000 heat pumps and they ran a competition called the Clean Heat for All Challenge, Mm. basically targeting tenants in social housing and saying mm-hmm. no with with the increasing kind of climate um extremes they know that heat waves kill a mm. lot of people right elderly um people from disadvantaged backgrounds adversely affected these these are the very people that the heat pumps are, are going to try and target mm. um and and i think it's in principle it's a fantastic scheme if it's put in place properly because these fit on windowsills they um, cool an apartment in summer they mm. heat an apartment in winter and yet they run on green renewable electricity and therefore obviously vastly reduce the greenhouse emissions that you would have with an air conditioning unit i think it's great and also i mean wider use of it like um i haven't seen it myself but you know places where you have a lot of these um new york similar to london in certain extents right there are parts of new york that are very old and and you know quite historical and things like that and in the same way sometimes those old property or you know places you can't necessarily put in all the new sort of funky tech and make everything a smart home and all that sort Mm -hmm. of stuff because it's just not viable there's certain laws legislations whatever around it but what i'm trying to say is not just residents, but also, you know, you could have student accommodation, social type of housing. Um, you know, you go to like, um, you go to the places like, you know, Brooklyn or the Bronx and, you know, sort of, you know, deep Manhattan and you kind of see the overly populated tower blocks or, you know, whatever mm. they call them. Oh, it's and very it's densely like, populated, let's be honest. Yeah, yeah, massively. Way more so than you, London. I think so. I think yeah, so. Yeah, in and terms of in terms of population density. Yeah. Exactly. And you kind of think that like if everyone's pumping the air and heat and stuff like that, um mm. you know how much that would save, right? In terms of um 
And again, yeah, the, fact, the fact that it's it's aimed at social housing at lower income families, um, that's brilliant. Now, the article. So the article, we'll, we'll we'll put a link in the article. It's in the Verge. It's a brilliant read. Um, really, really interesting. That there are people saying, you know, I'm nervous. I'm an elderly woman. I don't, you know, I want to make sure they're not going to kill me. Mm. Um, I don't want to be used as an experiment. I get that. Mm. I get why people would be nervous. This is technology that's kind of they're being given, and and it's 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 a shrunken um uh air pumps so they're they're they're, they want to make sure they're safe Hmm. um but i i think in principle if they're if they're doing this right this is this is fantastic use of tech and green tech to comply with climate climate change law but look read the article have a look yourself see what you think Hmm. but we wanted to flag it because um we often talk about sustainability on this show and um this this would look to be something that's a really viable solution and a very good social solution for people, right? Yeah. A, a lot, of, a, a lot of the time, it's you know, and you've just come back from Web Summit, right? So I'm sure you were around some founders that had some very quirky, very like cutting edge things, and you know, this is going to save and make everyone green and net zero by a certain year, and you know, something like this. And it, it, even on that article, I know you'll pin it, but like even if you scroll down and you you see some of the residents and their sort of quotes and things like that, and you you kind of think you're actually also doing good just for humanity. Um, yep. Yep. You know, not just the the people and generations to follow us, but the people that are in the now and in the present. So, yep. yeah, fair play. And look, we did promise that we'd have a very quick chat about OpenAI and Sam Altman. We're not going to... Um... We're not going to talk about it in any great detail because I don't think we're necessarily the people to add uh, a huge amount of value here. But there is an article on The Fast Company um, by Harry McCracken, who is someone who I have had the pleasure of meeting now at several different conferences. Um, I first met him, I think, in Collision, which is basically Web Summit North America, and then again at IFA in Berlin. Um, really good writer. Um, he, he hit... He hit publish on this just before the news that sam altman had gone back to open ai thankfully he didn't try and predict what was going on but he said some really sage stuff in here and he gives a really good account of what's going on um but he talks about the wider implications uh on technology and what the what the ai industry will learn from what has been happening at open ai to give you a flavor one of the um the last thoughts that he leaves us with is this oh and one other thing if there's one overarching lesson here it's that human beings are weird unpredictable and prone to making decisions without considering their implications i'm all for protecting humanity from erratic ai but let's not forget to protect ai from erratic humans along the way salient point he also points out that for as much as there are people who say let's hold back on this tech there'll be a lot of people who are rushing at this going we can make a lot of money and that's that's the dilemma at the heart of this Mm. which camp which camp is going to be um successful and you kind of fear that those who can see that there's big profits to be made will steer the ship and that is not necessarily sensible it's not and it's um firstly i mean what a quote to finish news at right i mean you've you've met you've met him and um, he's lovely. he's a great guy yeah um, if, if you say he's a great guy dave i'll take your word for it then what a great guy um uh, but you know the having read the article and finishing on that that's it right and we've been talking about this for pff, yonks now like ai is great 
right and 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 the assistance of ai for business for healthcare for you know any sort of manufacturing these sorts of um you know sort of industries it's amazing it's going to be groundbreaking it's going to be you know for people like you and i who are consumers who i would say it will make things and products and services faster for us and it'll be great but going back to that point erratic humans is massive because there are some absolute you know there's absolute kind of you know characters in this world that unfortunately will not just use it for huge amounts of profit making they will also use it for dangerous acts and for manipulative acts and you know unlawful things and that i think is where if there is a line to be drawn and i think everyone is trying to draw the same line (laughs) the thing is i read a um not read sorry i listened to a podcast the other day and they were talking about ai and how the government are trying to make something for you know children that are kind of going through suicidal thoughts or mental health that sort of thing almost like a like an ai type avatar and and this person you know will be relatable to that child and 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 that human being however they like and perceive it and will be able to you know have conversations with them at three o'clock in the morning when they're having these suicidal thoughts as compared to a healthcare worker or a parent or whatever but the point i'm trying to make here is we understand that's great that that's that's amazing that's helping the, the the mental health of someone but also these things in ai can be manipulated can you can be hacked that data and information about a child and their <clears throat> fragility and and kind of things that gets into the wrong hands of and i hate to say it groomers and you know pedophiles and that sort of thing we've got a whole new issue to deal with right and that's the danger um you know and and, and that's the i think when you look at ai yeah it's fucking great sam altman he's been in the news i mean on earlier on this week we were saying how he was trending like david beckham was or someone right and i think it's massive but i think that is the line that we need to draw everyone's trying to draw it someone with a pen someone with a pencil someone with a sharpie but that's where we need to regulate it so yeah. lots of work to be done that's in the meantime <laughs> Enjoy your turkey. Uh, <laughs> you're in states. <laughs> Nothing else I can really add to that. Um, happy Thanksgiving uh, to all our Brits uh, out there. We're the four Brits weeks well. away from Christmas, so we can yeah, have our have turkey nice in four weeks. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's Doctor Who this weekend. There we go. Uh, there we go. <laughs> um, uh, thanks for listening. Todd, thanks for being our guest. Uh, we'll be back next week. Oh.